All right, let's open the Bible, please, the book of Isaiah, chapter number 6. Isaiah, chapter number 6. Find your place in the Word of God. We'll read in just a moment and get right in the message from the Word of God. I do want to say along with Pastor and the others, thank the Lord for the wonderful meal, great fellowship, good testimonies and missionaries tonight, wonderful singing, and all that the Lord's done. Thank you for it. And I do hope you're praying that God will speak to your heart about what God wants you to do and what God wants to do through you during the coming year of your faith, promise, commitment to missions. And I want to say it again. I said it the other night. Stop telling God what you can't do. Let God show you what he can do. God will do above and beyond anything we can ever imagine with our lives if we give it totally to the Lord Jesus Christ. I do appreciate all these missionaries. Appreciate Brother Goins. What a blessing. He's been the mission work down through the years into my own ministry. All the printing he's done. I'll help the churches. And all of you, I appreciate the Lord's working. We're all just in this same thing together. Can I say what I heard one old country preacher say? We're all peas in the same pot. Amen. And so let's just go to meet and serve God and let the Lord's will be done tonight. If you have your Bible open, please stand with us. Isaiah chapter number 6. And I want to read the first eight verses, nine verses, and get right in the preaching of the Word of God this evening. Again, thank you for being here in the service tonight, a good crowd. Verse number one, the Bible said, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And they cried one to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the Lord moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the serpents unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongues from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips. Thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who shall go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go. Keep your Bible open. Let's bow our heads and hearts for a moment of prayer. Then the message this evening, our precious Heavenly Father, again, dear Lord, tonight at the throne of grace and mercy, in Jesus' name, I bow and we bow before you not to pray. Father, one more time, I do want to say thank you. My heart is overwhelmed. My heart is filled with joy. I'm thrilled in my spirit tonight, Lord, that you let me be born where there were Bibles, where there's churches, where there are Christians, where there are men of God. All of my life, dear Lord, I've had access. I want to thank you, Father, that you got me for religion then. I want to thank you, dear Lord God, for letting me hear the truth before I heard error. I thank you, Father. Yet, Lord, as we saw tonight and we all understand, multitudes upon multitudes around this world were reached by false religion before they ever were introduced to the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, they live in that either darkness, they'll die in it if we don't get somebody there with the gospel where they can be saved by the grace of God. Bless these families, Lord, that have surrendered to go. Lord, bless the families of this church that have and will surrender to give. Oh, God, may we all spend time in supplication on behalf of missionaries. Now, help me, dear Lord, help your people speak tonight. Lord, I ask you this evening, could this be the night? Would this be the night, Lord? Would you do it tonight? Would you make this service somebody's turning point in their life? Change them, our Father, and the journey that they've started down. Oh, God, open the door and bid them come in it and come through it. Do what you want to do. Do what needs to be done tonight. Call out servants, save lost people, and bless each of us to know and do your will We'll praise you and thank you for all that you do because I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen 
And amen. Thank you. Maybe may be seated. Do keep your Bible open, please. You're seated with a message for tonight from the Word of God. I've read a very familiar passage of Scripture. You saw it on the screen just a little bit earlier tonight. And uh, I, know it's, I know it's used a lot, but I want to deal with the text for just a moment and draw a subject out of it and preach tonight what I believe God wants me to. I preached this message a lot years ago when I first began preaching missions. I don't preach it very much anymore. But God stirred my soul in my study this morning to deal with this passage tonight. And I believe God wants to do something in the service this evening. I want to preach in just a little while on, and I don't mean short minutes, but I want to preach in a few minutes on the subject. I want to preach on voices that I hear that call me for involvement in the work of missions. God is still speaking. I remember some time ago somebody said to me, Brother Blue, do you think God still speaks to people? I said, no. He looked at me and I said, I know he does. Amen. It's not a thing, so hope, so it's an also salvation. And God does still speak. One of the greatest things that you could do tonight is join young Samuel in his words, Speak, Lord, thy servant heareth thee. Why don't you ask God right now to talk to you in the message tonight and God's will be done. The scripture before us tonight gives to us an unusual setting. You have the prophet Elijah and Isaiah. I'll mix them up before I get through. I knew it would. We have the prophet Isaiah and King Uzziah who are very close friends. Now, this is an old thing. It's not just new in our day. Real politicians and real preachers don't hardly get along. They've never liked us. They want the world, we want God and the Word of God. But here is an unusual alliance between King, King Uzziah and the prophet Isaiah. Very close, very close. In fact, I believe, preacher, that's probably why he said in verse number 5, verse number 6, I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. You see, Uzziah had treaded in places he should not have gone, the king had. And because of that, God smote him with leprosy. And the leper had the crowd unclean. Isaiah thought not only was Uzziah unclean, but himself and the whole nation of Israel were under the judgment of God because of that. But in reality, what God's doing is getting Isaiah ready to do a transforming work in his life. Now, in the text tonight, I'm not going to deal in detail with this, but there are three visions that I want us to see, and there are three voices I want us to hear. First of all, in the verse 5, verses 4 verses, we have a vision of the, the Lord supreme. Isaiah saw the Lord. And when he did, I want you to know some position. He saw him high and lifted up. I want you to know some place. His train filled the temple. So we see a, Isaiah has a vision of the Lord supreme. But then second, this is good Georgia language, but in verse number five, he has a vision of his low down self. By the way, if we ever see him lifted up, we'll see ourselves low down. None of us stand with any uh, holiness in the sight of God except that which is imputed to us by him. Uh, but you see in chapter number 5, Isaiah has been a fireball finger-pointing fundamentalist. Everything that moves, woe unto them, woe unto them, woe unto them, six or seven times in chapter number 6. But that was before he saw the Lord. When he saw the Lord, he changed his song. It's not woe unto them. It's woe unto me. Woe is me. Not my brother, nor my sister, but it's me, oh Lord. But after he saw the Lord supreme, he saw his low down self. And then he sees lost souls. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. But then following that threefold vision, there are three voices that speak. In verse number six, we find, uh, verse number five it is, first of all, there is a woe 
of conviction and confession. Then said I, woe is me, for I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. Mine eyes have seen the king. In verse number 6 and 7 we find there's not only the woe of conviction and confession, but there is a law of cleansing and consecration. Then the, there flew one, under, one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand from off the altar, and he laid it upon my lips and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips. Thine iniquity is taken away, thy sin purged. Then in verse 8, Isaiah said, And I heard also the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Now look at this. I want you to notice this. I do not know the full significance of what I'm fixing to say, but I know the Lord wants me to say it. It doesn't say God started speaking. It said Isaiah started hearing. He never heard God speaking till he got all, can I say it, filled up, fessed up, fired up, fixed up. But I'm made to believe, preacher, that the Lord speaks continually. I believe he's still speaking right now. Whom can I send? Who'll go for us? Whom can I send? Who'll go for us? Now, I don't mind telling you, my prayer to God is right here in this service tonight. Somebody will be willing to join Isaiah with his third voice. Here we find there is a, he said, I hear my sin me. And he said, go. There is a consecration. There's a commitment. But there is a commission, God said to him, go. It's almost like God said it so quick for Isaiah could change his mind. And by the way, the time to move when God is speaking is then, not later. Now, I want to leave the text behind, and I want to take this text and preach on voices that I hear. Not only does the Scripture teach us, mine eyes affect my heart. But the teaching word of God is also our ears affect our heart. So then hearing cometh by faith and faith. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, really what I'm fixing to preach to you is one of the messages. I just use this expression. Here's some things that this is what makes me tick. This is what cranks my motor. That's what gets me out of bed. That's what gets me in the automobile. That's what packs my bag. That's what puts me on my knees and praying. This voice. I hear a voice. And I know you think I'm out. I've lost my marbles and I've been hearing voices. So I want to give you some evidence tonight and give you six voices that I hear. Preacher, why should we serve the Lord? Why do you do what you're doing? Why do others do? Why do these men do? Why do others do that? Let me say to you, first of all, in the voices that I hear, there is a call from above that says to me, get involved. Are you ready for me to make this statement? I have never listened to God, and God said, let somebody else. Don't worry about it. It'll be okay. He's never said that. Every time I listen to God, it's onward, upward, outward, farther, further. Whatever you want to say, it's come on, it's not take it easy, but get with it. You see, in the work of God, God speaks in at least four ways to us. Number one, he, there's a call where he said, come unto me. That's salvation. There's a call when he said, come out from among them. That's separation. There's a call when he said, deny yourself, come follow me. That's surrender. And one day there'll be a call, come up hither. And to be ready for that last call, we must heed the first three. Then I feel God again, preacher. I'm glad I remember the day. August 14th, 1951, a nine-year-old boy. First time in my life, August 14th, I was in a meeting, not the first time in my life. I went to church all my life. But I went to church on a Tuesday night. The preacher preached. I don't remember what he preached on. But two men witnessed to us after church. Let me correct that. One man, a preacher, witnessed to me and two other boys after church that night. I never forget a statement he made. I was nine. My brother was 12. 
My friend Joe was 11. He said, your boy's saved. No. He made a statement. I don't want you, I'm not trying to get you to laugh. He said, you realize if you were to die at your age and you know you're not saved, you'd go to hell as quick as a 40-year-old man. Now, I mean, when you're nine years old, 40 is antique. I mean, it's getting ready for the grave. The next night, my brother made a profession of faith on the 15th. I didn't, it, I didn't go. You see, I could not be saved on God dealing with my brother. But boy, on Tuesday, on Thursday afternoon, the 16th, in a field on the farm working, I could say with Squire Parsons' song, he came to me. He came to me. He came to me. You say, Brother Blue, do you understand it? You know, for a long time, Brother Schofield, Brother Schofield, they told me I was too young to be saved, and I didn't know what I was doing. One day I learned, thank God, it wasn't me doing the doing. But he who was doing the doing knew what he's doing when he was doing what he's doing that night. He's doing it in my life. I went to the church that night. I don't know what the preacher preached on. I don't know what the singer sang. I don't know who sang. I don't know who preached. After a while, preacher, I left my pew at the altar service, sitting on this side of the building against the wall. Came down and I bowed. The altar was full. I bowed at the front pew like where you were sitting on it, just one row of pews. I mean, one aisle down the middle. And I, as best I knew how, said yes to the call of God for salvation. God, save me. Then God called me to preach, and I could go a long time there. I'm not going to take the time to do so. But I do want to say to you, thank God there's a call from above. And if you listen, God will speak to you this week and throughout the night services, throughout the day. And you ought to be praying, oh, God, speak to me. Speak to me. Speak to my heart. Work in my life. Do that you want to do. There's a call from above. Yeah, I say to you, number two. There's a call from within. Now, I don't know how to say this except to say it, and I'm not being mean or arch or arrogant or smart aleck when I say it. But I don't understand people who say they're saved and don't have God speaking to them inside them for involvement in the work of God. The Bible talks about the love of Christ constraineth me. How could I, who am so worthless, so helpless, I was so lost, I was so without anything, but the God of glory came to me to not only save me, but he sent me the Holy Ghost, put the presence of God in my life, and God has worked in my heart, and there's something inside me that will not let me say no. Years ago as a young boy, I was in a meeting, Dr. J. Harold Smith was preaching. I remember Dr. Smith saying this, making this statement. He said, every time the Lord tells me to jump, I say, how high? Because he said, I'm afraid if I don't jump, he'll call on somebody else to jump the next time. I'm telling you, there is something inside me that makes me bow my will to the will of God. My word to the word of God. My ways to the ways of God. My want to to the want to of God. There's something down inside me that talks to me. Well, bless the Lord that God put something in us when he saved us that where we have a spiritual ear and our spiritual radio is tuned in on the right frequency and God speaks to us and puts us at a call to do something in the work. Of God. Number three, not only is there a call from above, there's a call from within. But number three, there's a call from without. We sing the old hymn often, and it's a good song. There's a call comes ringing for the restless way. Send the light. Can I ask you a question? I thought about this this afternoon as I was in my study. Have you heard anything from God this week? about a lost and dying world. 
I will not get them all, preacher. But on Sunday, did you hear a call from God about South Africa? Sunday night, did you hear a call from God? Was it Sunday night about the printed page? Brother Wade getting involved. Last night, we heard a call from Hungary. Tonight, did you not hear the Ghanaians call out, somebody come and help us. Somebody come and bring us a gospel. Somebody send us a missionary. Somebody pray for us. A call from Wales. I don't know if you know Brother Ron Downer. Ron Downey and Tennille or not. But I met Ron and Tennille. He was on debutation before we married. They've been married, I guess, 25 years. They've been on the field most of their married life now. They're in Wales. Did you hear a call from Wales tonight? I'm telling you, look at me just a moment. It's like out of darkness, they're calling a light. And we've got the light. This is mean to me, preacher, but it'll make my point. I'm going to tell it. Years ago, when I was young, I used to be mean. I haven't gotten over it. Just want to make sure you understand that. We were in a camp meeting up in Illinois. I was preaching in the camp meeting, and some other guys were. And the dorm preacher was a converted barn. I mean, literally, they took a barn and just laid loose board across the bottom of it, put hot and water, hot and cold water, and made the showers and things. And that's where we stayed. I stayed in some pretty good places. I could tell you about it. I don't get off on that. But one of my friends come in. He'd have been picking on me one night. And we went on in and went to bed before they turned the lights out. I had a flashlight. He didn't know it, but I had a flashlight. He come in after the lights was out. Stumbled around through there, fumbling over finally. And about the time he got laid down, I flashed a flashlight in his eyes. <laughs> mean to me, I know that. Just a mischievous thing. We got a light. They're in darkness. What are we going to do about it? Can you not hear the cries of the screaming billions tonight? Help! Help! Somebody! Help me. I thought of another illustration. It may be carnal, but you understand it. Preachers like a lifesaver standing beside a big huge public pool and going down somebody is drowning and a hand is being raised help somebody help me somebody rescue me somebody throw me a lifeline I wonder who that somebody's going to be I wonder, would it be possible that the very God of glory tonight would say to you, shine the light in that darkened place. Toss out the life raft. Hey, get beyond that. Somebody else do it. Get beyond. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too uneducated. I can't do it. Get beyond all your excuses. God is calling somebody. Cast out the lifeline. It also it's like those who are dying in the darkness, shadow of death, calling out for life. I have a message in this Bible tonight. God has a message in his Bible of life for those that are in death, dead in trespasses and sin. Light for those in darkness and liberation for those that are bound in the chains of sin. And we've got what the world needs, but for some reason we decided to serve ourselves and enjoy our luxurious lifestyle and let the world go to hell without the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
from before. There's not only a call from above, there's a call from within, there's a call from without. There's a call from behind. If I listen back down the road behind me, the road of history, I hear voices that call me to get involved. Let me give you three of them real quick. First of all, there's the voice of the Great Commission. Isaiah made a statement, pardon me, not Isaiah, Jeremiah, in the book of Lamentations. Is it nothing to you, all you that pass by? I'd ask the question, is it nothing to you, all of them that we pass by? Is it nothing to you? Is it nothing to us? Is it nothing to you? Oh, my friend, the Great Commission still thunders out to all of us to be involved. And go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I remind you, that's not a choice. That's a commandment. That's not an option. That's an obligation. Commission. Cries out. But not only the commission cries out. If I listen back down the road behind me, the cross cries out. Please hear the statement I'm saying through before you cut me off. The cross of Christ accomplished everything God planned it to. Calvary was no failure. Calvary was no afterthought. Calvary was no accident. You say, what was that preacher? Just in case you don't know, I want to be sure you do. He accomplished paying a full price for a free salvation for every sinner ever born of Adam's race. None excluded or included. But now hear this statement, please. Hear what I'm saying. For those who never hear, Christ died in vain. You understand what I'm saying? If we had an epidemic here of some dreaded disease, some plague, as we use a Bible word there, Maybe down in Atlanta, preacher, they have developed a cure. And the people of Atlanta knew we were dying here in Whitfield County, Whitfield County. But they don't care about us. They're not kin to us. We're not part of them. Hey, it's their bad luck, not mine. We die of that disease. Whose fault is it? It's not the sick man. He could not prevent getting sick. It was not the disease really that killed him because there was an antidote fixed for him. It was those who had access to the message and kept it to themselves while we in North Georgia I wish I, could, I wish I could give you the heart that God's burning in my soul right now. Do we really believe we've got a gospel for the world? Do we really believe there's saving grace sufficient for every sin of every sinner? I'm not being mean, preacher. I'm just pouring out my soul as God feeling me to preach tonight. I'm simply saying to you, my friend, when you look back at the cross, it calls out to get involved. I remember when I was working my first doctor's degree, and earned doctor's degree, and I'm not taunting my horn, tooting my horn. I have an honorary as well. Brother Cofield, I was doing my last writing, the thesis type, on the cross. I was paralleling the four accounts in the in the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I come to the place where when Jesus starts to go to Golgotha, they compel Simon the Serene to bear the cross after him, behind him, following him, the, what we call the foot in, the foot that goes in the ground. Simon bears that, bounces on the shoulder of Christ and guides it through the crowd. 
Do you understand what I'm saying when you're studying the Bible and the Holy Ghost just throws up a stop sign? Just, whoa, stop me. I just pondered that thought. Before I knew it, you know, thoughts are strange things, and this thought came into my mind. I wish I'd have been there. Brother Bill, I'd love to have been the one that put my hands on the cross and guided it through the crowd and helped bear the cross. Jesus. While I'm pondering that thought, here comes another thought, and that second thought said, if you won't pick up the cross and follow him now, you wouldn't touch that cross when they're hanging people on it. So the crowds cries out, we restore the town to the nation. We restore it. Christ died on the cross for every sinner of every sinner, and the cross is crying out, who will tell my story? There's a great hymn in our song books. I love the song. But it's got one little thought that I just want to mention. I love to tell the story. But the next line says, Twill be my theme in glory. Can I say it? I'm not being smart, preacher. I love the song. I'm not saying, There'll be no need telling the story in glory. The story of the cross wasn't made for glory. It was made for the lost men and women, boys and girls of right now. There'll be no angelic being saved after we get to heaven. Nobody will be up there but saved people among people, so we won't be telling the story in the sense of that. There'll be some people on your job tomorrow that need that story. People that need your knock on their door, gospel track, invitation, personal witness. Right now, right now, the cross says, Who will bear my story? Knowledge number three, let me just mention this briefly. Not only there's a call from behind of the commission, there's a call of the church. I mean, a call of the cross, a call of the commission, but there's a call of the church. Look at me just a moment. I know you know what I'm fixing to say, but I want to say it again for emphasis. This thing of the gospel didn't start in Northwest Georgia. Brother Cofield, I know you said this, and I'm not saying anything new, but every person in this building tonight is saved as a result of missions. I said every individual in this service is saved because somebody brought the gospel to the earth. Can I ask you another question? What did we do to deserve it? Nothing. You, like me, were lost, helpless, hell-bound, undeserving sinners. But somebody heard the Great Commission. Somebody heard the cross. And somebody picked up the mantle and brought the gospel message where we were. It does me good, and it would do you good too. Every once in a while, just go back and study the lives and deaths of some of the martyrs in church history. But Coville, I'll take just a moment and be personal. I don't like to do a lot of this. My grandfather, my maternal grandfather, was a Baptist preacher. My daddy was a deacon, and there's a lot of preachers on my daddy's side, the blues, a lot of preachers in the blue generation, and, of course, they married out into other names as well. The ladies did. A lot of them. But I didn't get to meet my granddaddy. He died. Fifty-something years old, preached in Sheffield dead. Died young. When I started preaching, I had the privilege of preaching. Now, over the years, I have preached in three or four, maybe five churches that my grandfather pastored many years ago. It was about my fourth or fifth or sixth message. I went to one of those churches my grandfather pastored. I walked in, and I stopped over here and laid my Bible down. And there was a lady sitting about three or four pews back, saw us as strangers, and she knew I was supposed to be there. And so she came up to me, and she said, are you 
Preacher Blue? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, you're Preacher Davis's grandson? And I said, yes, ma'am. She said, let me tell you about your grandson. I said, please do. She said, let me tell you about the first time I ever met him. I said, okay, great. She said it was a cold, freezing, rainy Sunday morning. It must have been in January or February because of the weather that I remember. She pulled out a side window. She said, we live right down the road here. Of course, families in those days, everybody got up together and eat breakfast together and went to bed together and all that things, you know. And she said, every Sunday morning, Mom would fix breakfast and Daddy would get us all up. This Sunday morning, it's freezing rain. Daddy said to Mom at the breakfast table, you go ahead and get the girls ready. I'm going on up and build a fire in the old pot-bellied stove set over there in that altar section. Come on up and we'll have Sunday school, but I doubt anybody will come in for church, and I'm sure the preacher won't make it tonight. She said, let me tell you what I remember. Just as we started Sunday school, the back door swung open and in came a man that I knew immediately was a man of God. She said, let me tell you what I remember about him. He had icicles hanging off his coattails, his pants legs, from riding the horse through the freezing rain. I lost it right there. I don't know anymore. She told me. You know what I'm thinking? My soul, I hope I'm five miles from him at the judgment seat of Christ. In my lifetime, I've run from one end of this nation to the other, almost from one side to the other, in living room comfort. The car that I ride in now sits better than the, car, the couch and chair that my granddaddy had through his life. If it's cold, I push a couple of buttons and warm it up. If it's hot, I push a couple of buttons and cool it down. And so, my friend, listen, I would be a Benedictine, and you're not old enough to know who that is. I'd be a traitor to the saints of God that have fought the fight and give their life in the service of God. And many died premature so the gospel could come to me and I could be saved by the grace of God. The church cries out. How are we going to face them who sell the bloody seas, those who have spent time in prison, those who've been beheaded, those who give their life as martyrs, and we won't even get out of our comfort zone, and we're just sold on the idea, I'm all right here, send somebody else. But Isaiah didn't say, Jeremiah send he. He said, Jeremiah send he. Call from above. Within, without, behind. Number five, there's a call from before. There's a stopping place between here and heaven. We don't hear much said about it. But there's a stopping place. Now, I know when a Christian dies, don't misunderstand me. I don't believe in soul sleep. That Christian goes into the presence of God immediately. His spirit does. I believe that. That spirit will be brought back when Christ comes, the body be resurrected, they'll be joined together, and then we're headed to the judgment seat of Christ. I've never looked at the judgment seat of Christ and felt like I was doing too much. I was giving too much. No. No. A thousand no's. When I look at the judgment seat of Christ, can I be personal again in just a moment? I don't use much personal stuff. My daddy had a way, preacher. My daddy had a way of saying, you know, daddy tell me to, we worked on the farm, we lived on the farm. And I was assigned my job and I was kind of goofing off. And my daddy said, boy, you better get with it. Or else. And as a young lad, I got introduced to else. And I never did like When I look at the judgment seat of Christ, it's almost like I hear the Lord say, boy, you better get with it or else. I remember visiting with my daddy just before we went to heaven. The last time we really talked, and he talked to me as his father to his preacher's son. I spent a little time on a Monday. I was heading out to a revival meeting starting Monday night, and I started leaving. Daddy said to me, where are you going, son? And I told him, and he knew the preacher. My daddy looked at me as I started to leave for the co-film. He said, 
This don't mean a lot to nobody but me, but I hope it'll relate. My daddy said, give him a good one, boy. Those words run through my mind today. I'm not here for popularity. I'm not here for just a preaching contest. But I'm here to deliver God's message. My Heavenly Father told me to give you a good one, and I'm doing my best to carry it out tonight. You see, the judgment seat of Christ. I don't know what it's going to take place. Probably the three things we'll look at. Oh, God, speak to us. Number one, I believe we'll see the potential of our life. Jared, we'll see what we could have been in the light of what we have been. I'm not making that personal you. You're sitting there listening intently, and I'm glad you are listening. Everybody's listening for us, I know. But I wonder what it's going to look like, Brother Rick. Here's what I've done. I wonder how much short I'm going to come of what God fully intended for my life. The potential of my life. All of the I can't, I'm not able, I can't do that. God's going to bring them up to judgment seat of Christ and show us what he would have done if we had just simply obeyed God. There's a potential in our life. There's a price of my laziness. What did I miss out on? Because I had my heart on other things instead of serving God. I also fear there'll be some perishing of our labors. Things will burn up in the flames that we've done for self-glory. Self-gratitude, things of that nature. Lastly, let me give this, and i got to close. Not only what, look, there's a look from above. I call from above, call from within, call from without, call from before, behind, I call from before. But there's a call from beneath. I wish I could say this right. I have never listened to lost people in hell and heard them say, don't worry about it. It's not that bad. Relax. If we could hear the screaming of the damned in hell tonight. Can I mention four things very quickly? In Luke 16, you know the story, but as a rich man cries out from hell, first of all, there's a cry of misery. Have mercy on me and send lavishers and may dip the tip of his finger water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented. I'm miserable. I'm tormented. In this life. Brother Cofield, if we were to turn the sound system wide open tonight, cries of this crowd would not be like the screams from hell. The cries of misery. And it's not just a 30-minute session. It's eternal. But I know there's a cry of memory. There's a cry of misery. But there's a cry for mercy. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. God, help us to have mercy on the living while there's time for mercy. Number three, there's a cry from memory. He remembers his father's house. I surrendered to preach when I was 18 years old. And preach was just a change of society. I'm not making any comments right or wrong. I'm not bothered about it. But when I surrendered to preach, I didn't know anything about a teenage preacher boy. I was the only teenager that I knew was a preacher when I surrendered. Never knew one. Just graduated from high school. And there was that crowd of boys. Do I have to say anymore? Always picking, always making fun, always knocking, fighting. I'd had a Christian testimony with them before I surrendered to preach. But they gave me a hard time. 
keep your mind from wondering, I'm going to stop right there with it. They gave me a hard time many times, many times, many times. Lost. But I remember when the news came, there's a car wreck preacher and two of those boys were killed. Died lost. As far as we know, went to hell. They rolled those coffins in there and end to end had a dual funeral. Double funeral. I didn't preach it. I was already preaching, but I didn't preach right there. He had five brothers. He had a daddy still alive. I had the privilege of going back later and preaching a revival meeting in my own church where I got saved. And his daddy got saved. Some of the boys got saved. I don't know. But if I could hear him cry out to me tonight, you know what he'd say to me? Go tell. Go tell. Go tell. I'm trying to figure out, preacher, I wonder how in the world that this rich man tumbling through hell found out it's going to take the resurrection somebody for people to get saved. He wanted Lazarus to rise from the dead, but Lazarus, if he'd rose from the dead, nobody would be saved. Thank God there's one fiction to come through the jaws of death and die and be buried and resurrected in just a few days. It could save anybody and everybody from their sins. There's a cry of misery. There's a cry for mercy. There's a cry for memory, father, friends, and family. There's a cry for a missionary. Now, I got this thought, and I hope it will not turn you off. Can you imagine... Somebody who never heard the gospel, Brother Lamar, tumbling through hell. And they bump into a sinner who knew the gospel but rejected it. You know what that sinner in hell that knew the gospel was going to be doing? Oh, God, give me one more chance. Lord, if I'd just been saved, Lord, one more altar call, Lord, one more work of justice, one more verse of justice to them. And they tumble through the bottomless pit and he's crying that out. And finally that stranger might say, what are you talking about? And he learns for the first time in hell, he learns the first time the plan of salvation. But it's too late. It's too late. You pray, cries for somebody to go, send them a father's house. Tell them. He tells us to testify. When they get to hell, it's too late. I don't want to be painful with your own personal memory tonight. I know people that I have preached to by their own testimony because when it went to hell, I have family members, my wife and I, as we know, went to hell. I know the pain of it. Somewhat. You've got a loved one that died unsaved. They'd rather see God make a missionary out of you. You can't get them out of hell. But hundreds and thousands of others somewhere could be influenced if you just hear the voice of God. Voice from above, within, without, behind, before, and beneath. And all of them says, straighten out or you better do right give them a good and sound give them a good one let's stand together Father Lord I have no doubt you sent the message tonight Lord I do not believe you sent it just to be sending the message but I believe you Lord tonight under the sound of my voice there are hearts you are dealing with you're speaking to. I do not know the exact words you're saying, but I know you're speaking, and Lord, I know they know. I pray tonight, Father, help us to think for a moment tonight as for eternity, as for souls needing the Savior or dying in their sins and going to hell. Help us to realize what a eternal difference. What a drastic difference we can make in life and then in eternity.
eternity beyond our comprehension would just simply obey you. Lord, I pray, keep speaking. Lord, if anybody's being rebellious, just turn up the volume, turn up the pressure. Our brother and his children sang this song a while ago, whatever it takes. I don't pray that mean, Lord. I don't pray it ungracious, unkind. But it's far better, dear Lord, if you have to break our will, that you break it and then we serve you and get over, get right and get on in the work of God and do what you want to do. Oh, God, help us tonight. Lord, as we leave the service tonight in a little bit, and we face the next 24 hours before faith promise commitment. Lord, I want to ask you myself personally, would you speak clearly and plainly to the members of this church, every member of this church? That will be here tomorrow. Those will be back on Sunday. Make it clear what you want them to do in faith promise commitment to missions. And help them to look at eternity for lost souls. Look at the judgment seat of Christ. Lord, look at the fields that's white, ready to harvest. And respond as we'll be glad we did when we stand before you at the judgment seat of Christ. Lord, I'm unworthy to preach as I preach tonight, but I sure appreciate you speaking to my own heart. Open the eyes of our understanding. Double our burden, oh God. Triple our burden, whatever it takes. Do what you want to do and what needs to be done. Lord, could I ask you tonight, don't stop talking to me. Don't stop talking to us. Speak, Lord. Help us to listen. Help us to learn. Help us to live in a Christ-honoring way. I pray in Jesus' name.